Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Try two. Second verse, same as the first, a little bit louder, a little bit worse. Let's bring the music down a little bit. Hello, everybody. I'm sorry about the audio fail from uh, a moment ago. I think I got everything tweaked now so that the audio should be good. Um, I've tried to crank up the clarity on the webcam, which, for better or worse, that's the direction we're going. (laughs) It's going to be bad for me. Uh, And we got a mock draft starting from pick 11 in about two and a half minutes. Just a quick little dealy at the beginning here of this one. Welcome. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter. Please do drop a follow over there. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. It's a bonus episode of Fantasy NBA Today. That'll be available on podcast channels as well. Of course, if you're hanging out with us on these live mocks, it's typically better to be uh, watching live on YouTube. You can see the board. You can see the picks as they come. Some of what I talk about is, of course, in reference to a thing that I assume people are able to see, and I realize that's not always the case, but um, I'm doing my best. So uh, before we uh, drop into the the mock, which is kicking off here in just a matter of seconds, um, draft room is loading in the background. Just want to let you guys know we're in the 11th slot for this mock draft. Um, I'm going to be doing it as more of a recon mock because Yahoo uh, changed their board, as you guys know, last week. And I'm very curious where players are going now that they've adjusted things. So I'm going to take players almost exclusively that I do not want on my fantasy team. I want to get those guys off the board and find out when the guys I am looking at are going in this new Yahoo iteration. I'm going to try to do as many of these as I can. We did pick five last time. We're doing pick 11 this time because it's sort of other ends of the board. We'll try to do one near the top of the board next time. That might be tomorrow. It might be Thursday. It might be Friday. I want to try to do at least three of these a week. Um, And I'd like to try to do more if at all possible. So um, let's get that board up. Uh, There we go. And you guys can see what I'm up to here again at Dan Vespers on Twitter. And of course, if you have a moment, go get yourself a fantasy pass over at Sports Ethos. It will be worth your while. I can pretty much promise you that somebody actually just bought one 10 minutes ago. Awesome. That's the all sport pass. It's just $7 a month. Gets you baseball, football, and of course, mighty, mighty basketball. The one we love best here uh, on Fantasy NBA Today. I'll argue until the cows come home that fantasy basketball is the optimal one because you don't have to deal with football, which is like heavily luck dependent. You only have a few tries. You have one, they play one game a week. A lot can go wrong in one game a week. Baseball, they play six or seven games a week. That's too much to keep track of. There's 25 damn guys on every team. That's ridiculous. Basketball, you only got to know, you know, top eight, nine guys. They play every other day. It's right in that nice, juicy middle. Anyway, looks like we got pretty good turnout on this one. Uh, 11 out of 12 teams are there, so that'll give us a pretty good feel for the top 75 or so. That'll be our target for how deep to go in this mock draft. I don't want to go too far beyond that because I like to keep these mocks to about 25, 30 minutes so you guys don't chew up too much of your day with them. We'll also have a show later on today where we're going to start looking at players beyond the top 50 on Fantasy NBA Today, so make sure to come on back and stay tuned or uh, tune back in for that one. 
And also, like and subscribe. Like and subscribe, like and subscribe, like and subscribe. Hit that thumbs up for us. It's really uh, very beneficial. And the subscriptions are nice. It's kind of snowballing a little bit these days. And if you're listening, rate and review and subscribe also. The subscribe button is the most powerful tool in all of algorithm hunting. To no one's surprise, Nikola Jokic goes first. Let's throw the draft board up there for everybody so you guys can see what's going down. I wonder if I... Let me try messing with the size a little bit on this. Does that make it better or worse? Um, I honestly can't tell. I'm going to say better. Although you can see less of the board. Maybe I'll shrink it as we get a little deeper into the draft. Luka Doncic goes second. Joel Embiid third. Tyrese Halliburton fourth. Jason Tatum fifth. Shea Gilgis-Alexander sixth. No surprises through the top six. I probably go Shea over Tatum um, Tatum's advantage there is mostly in rebounding between the two. LaMelo Ball goes seventh, which, I mean, if he plays like 80 games, he could get there. But you also kind of want to probably throw field goal percent into the wood chipper. If you're going LaMelo, that's the direction he slides with this stuff. Um, you don't have to necessarily but it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. If Steph goes eighth, that's a nice spot to get Steph. Giannis goes ninth. We are almost on the clock, so I'm going to switch back over to the player board and try to shrink this down a tad so everybody can see more names that are still floating around out there. Uh, Giannis at nine is pretty... Oh, by the way, the last dude joined, so we got all 12, so maybe we'll go top 100 now. Giannis at nine is interesting because everybody, everybody that gets past that top chunk with Steph... It's my turn, by the way. I, I'm... Probably, if this was actually my turn, I'd probably go Kevin Durant at 11. I'm going to take Booker to get him off the board because I don't want him. Uh, and I'll have another pick coming up here in a minute. Giannis scares the living crap out of me because of games missed. Not because necessarily uh, of the punt, but because he just doesn't play in every ball game. Dude on the turn goes Anthony Edwards and Demonis Sabonis. That's really the, like, I want my guys that are probably going to be in there stuff. I'm probably going Anthony Davis here, uh, or Kevin Durant if he's still available, or Kyrie Irving. I like all of those guys. The guy I'm probably not taking at 14 is Freddie Van Vliet, so I'll just get him off the board, and let's see how things shake out. I got all kinds of options in this mock draft, and I know everybody's afraid of Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis, but if you can get those guys at 14, which again, basically that's what happened here. I know I took Booker, so it's possible that maybe one of these guys would have taken Durant instead or wanting... I mean, we basically just showed in this mock draft that Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, and Kyrie Irving can fall to 11 and 14. What an unbelievably high per-game start to be able to put together there. Let's go back to the, uh, the draft board so you guys can see how everything's shaken out there. I've been announcing them to you. Dame, by the way, went 10th, which... Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly. 
the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. If we know where he's playing, I could probably get on board with Dame at the end of the first round, but as it stands right now, he's a guy that I'm sort of not touching if you're doing a mock this early. Someone just left. Why'd they leave? Maybe because they don't have a pick coming for a while. JJJ goes 17 after uh, Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant finally went 15-16. I will note, by the way, Kyrie Irving still on the board. At pick 18, there goes Trey Young. Kyrie still out there. Holy smokes. That's a long, long way for him to drop. I know there's a lot of Kyrie hate, and at least a decent chunk of it is warranted, but this is a top five at times, top ten almost guaranteed per game guy who's still on the board at pick 20 as Donovan Mitchell comes off the uh, the table. A lot of guys, I think maybe more so the dudes that are looking big contracts all the time, are thinking about that 65-game threshold. LeBron goes 20th. That's an awful pick. Sorry to whoever that team was if you're watching this show later. That's terrible. You can't go LeBron at 20. He didn't even hit 20 on a per-game basis last year, and his job is going to be getting smaller as he gets older. And he's not really a punt guy anymore because his free throw number was like 77% last season. Uh, let's go back to the draft board so you guys can see what's been happening here. We'll try to flip back and forth every few minutes when I can. Mikhail Bridges goes 21. He's really very much in the Anthony Edwards, Demonis Sabonis mold of guys you expect to play games. And finally, Kyrie Irving comes off the board at pick number 22. Wow. Man, that's late. That's real late. All right, so Kyrie's off. Let's flip back over and see who's left. Desmond Bain at 23, uh, well, he didn't get drafted right now, but he's the next one on the, the X-Rank board. X-Rank board has everybody from 22 through 26 still out there, so folks have been doing a little bit of dumpster diving. There goes Desmond Bain. I got no problem with that, although it seems like maybe that was an auto. James Harden, DeJounte Murray at 24, 25, and then Kawhi gets autoed. So we had a bunch of people, and now a few of them have left. Um... Why, I don't know, because we had really good turnout. So maybe we'll just go top 50, top 60, depending on uh, how this goes. Harden and DeJounte were definitely uh, grabs by a real person. Harden, you know, end of second, if you can get him in the third, is actually a really good pick. DeJounte Murray at 25 is a bit too early there for me. He could get there by totals. I don't think he gets there per game unless the steals come roaring back, which, you know, hard to say that that will definitely happen. It could but I, I wouldn't bank on it. Kawhi at 26, yeah, that, I mean, that's when you kind of have to take a shot on Kawhi in the third round because of that per-game stuff with him is is so obscenely high. Paul George at 27, I don't trust his limbs, and he doesn't have the per-game upside of Kawhi Leonard, so I'm probably not doing the Paul George plunge this year. Larry Markinen at 28 is fine, but you've wiped out a decent chunk of his value. Jimmy Butler at 29, I like, actually. Uh, Butler in the early 20s is 
I think you're putting too much there, uh, especially if Dame comes to town. But as you tick later, then you worry less about the missed games because the, the per game will will smash the 29 uh, overall ranking there. Carl Anthony Towns, who has an X rank, a pre-rank or whatever the hell, they changes the name every two years, of, tw- of 39. He goes at 30. Um, he's People are not going to be waiting around on him. I, I know his pre-rank is 39, but we haven't seen him come even close to getting drafted that deep. Miles Turner at 31. Victor Wembanyama at 32. Uh, another guy whose pre-rank dropped a bunch at the last board reshuffling by Yahoo. He was... Uh, Around 30 before. Now he's at 40. This is going to be an auto pick of Pascal Siakam, by the way. People, this is smart. It's a smart group of people not taking Pascal at his X rank because he doesn't belong there. But Kevin's going to get stuck with him here. Um, I am curious, though, to see if Kat and Wembenyama just kind of like slowly slide back towards their X rank. They're going a tiny bit later than they were before, but not, I mean, we're talking like two, three picks later, just, you know, drafts where people don't look quite far enough down the board. Darius Garland goes 34. Uh, It's my pick at 35. I would probably go Vooch here if if I was actually making my pick. Um, I'll go Drew Holiday just because I'm actually not, as into Drew this year as I normally am. So let's let's clear him out of the way and find out what Bricktop is going to do on his third and fourth round turn. De'Aaron Fox at 36. Jalen Brown at 37. So now I still could take Vooch on the way back. The other guys I'd be looking at around 38. I'm not a big Bam Adebayo fan, but at 38, I'm okay with it. Uh, Cade would be more of a build guy. Again, if you're sort of leaning into a field goal percent issue, he would make sense there. Um... Somebody I'm almost definitely not taking at 38. I don't know. It's hard to say. So I'll just throw Bam in the in the queue here. That way I can keep talking. Um, this this ended up being kind of a hard spot. You know, I I, I could have gone down the board for like a Walker Kessler, but I don't. I feel like that would have been too early there. Vooch would have taken care of one of those two picks, but I didn't have somebody that I really badly wanted with the other one. Especially if I took Vooch, I don't think that I would then go Evan Mobley and take a different big man. You probably want to try to shore up some guard stats here because the big men, there's still a bunch of them floating around on the board. So, kind of a tough spot, end of the third round. Um, a lot of my third round targets are either bumped later in the latest realignment or bumped earlier. And it kind of kind of screwed up that round for me. So I don't really mind being towards the end of the first round anymore. I think we've created a pocket, or at least a multiple pockets now, value with guys like Durant and AD and Kyrie falling. And you're able to get some of those guys early second if you wanted to as well. Late third, early fourth, kind of a tough spot. Vooch makes sense there. Um, if you wanted to go Brunson, it wouldn't be too far out of the realm of reasonable. DeMar Rosen, that's early, but he probably does okay. Uh, but there isn't, in my eyes, there isn't, like, the obvious guy you take at pick 40 uh, near this, the way the X-Rank board kind of shakes it out. That, that to me, is now turning out to be one of the tougher spots. And you kind of have to do it based on what you did earlier. So, like, if I took Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis at 11 and 14, and let's go over to the draft results board so you guys can see what's happening while we talk, then I would have had to go somebody... 
very safe in the third. Try to eliminate some of the uh, who's playing, who's not. So Vooch makes sense there. Bam would have made sense there. If, say, I went Anthony Davis and Mikhail Bridges early or Anthony Davis and, uh, you know, Dame would have been a guard or like a Donovan Mitchell or Demonis Sabonis if I had two bigs, then you definitely have to look a different direction. Then you go Brunson uh, or you reach down the board and, and go DeMar or you saw maybe I ended up with, maybe I go Drew Holiday there anyway. A lot of picks have come off the board while I've been monologuing here. There are still, I think, only one, no, two autoing teams. So we're not going to go too much farther here, or the board's going to start to not look the way that it, it would if everybody was actually making their picks. But after my BAM pick, in the fourth round, it went Porzingis. Uh, I guess that'd be pick, what is that, 39? Cunningham at 40. Uh, Brunson, 41. Claxton, kind of early at 42. Mobley at 43 is fine. Vooch at 44 is is a, a layup. Jordan Poole at 45. People are really expecting him to go launch padding forward here. I don't know about 45. Jamal Murray at 46 is fine. DeRozan I like at 47. Levine I like at 48. Those guys are pretty safe. Beal at 49 is fine, but maybe a hair too soon. OG at 50. Zion at 51, I'll kindly pass on that risk. Brandon Ingram at 52, not a fan there. Chet Holmgren at 53, should be fine. I like Tyrese Maxey goes at 54, and he's going to be a guy that, that should take a pretty good size leap forward. We saw the Sixers sign Kelly Oubre, and um, a couple of fantasy analysts made a big deal out of it, but... Yeah, they're not just going to turn the ball over to him the way that Charlotte did last year. It's it's a, such a different scenario when you're on a team that's actually trying to win. Julius Randle goes 55, Scotty Barnes 56, and then Walker Kessler finally gets autoed at 57. That's crazy. This dude was going at like 33 in some drafts recently. Absolutely, that's a guy you take at 57 if he's still on the board. He'll, bl- he'll blow that out of the water. I don't even care about his free throw percent. Go shore that up with something else. Let's flip back over to the player board. Hey, um, as we get towards the end of the what I really want to cover here, John Morant, by the way, goes 58. Uh, please do take a moment to like and subscribe. Uh, anybody that's you know dropping in partway through or if you're fast-forwarding little bits, this would be an opportunity for me to try to hit you with one of those. I would probably be taking Jared Allen here if I was actually making my pick. A guy I'm definitely not taking at 59 is Paolo Boncaro, so let's go ahead and get him out of the way and see what Bricktop does with his pair. 62 is my next pick coming up. Uh, a lot of guys, again, that I would look at at 62. Jared Allen is reasonable at 62. Jalen Williams is 62. I don't know if I'd go all the way down to Chris Paul, or there goes Cam Johnson at 60, and Josh Giddy at 61. i probably pass on that. But players that I like right here, Jared Allen, Jalen Williams, Chris Paul, Brooke Lopez, Rudy Gobert. Um, I don't think you have to go any farther down the board at that juncture. Some of that I'm definitely not taking at 62 is Devin Vassell. So let's go ahead and get him out of the way, and, and let's see what this does. Maybe going back and forth one more time, and then we'll pull the plug around my uh, you know pick 85, something like that. I think we're doing okay on timing. Yellow Mamba asks, what are your thoughts on pre-draft trades and swaps of picks? I'm into it, man. If you're in a league where everybody's cool with that, you should do it. 
get your commissioner to turn that on. It's more work, but I think Yahoo can handle a lot of it. Fantrax, I know, can handle a lot of it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I see no reason not to, to have that option available to you. It's fun. Just make sure don't nobody does anything nuts. Uh, I'll go back to the draft board here. Terry Rozier went after my Vassell pick, which, I mean, that's surprising. 63 for Rozier. Aiden at 64. There goes Jalen Williams at 65. Franz Wagner at 66. Um, I don't know. Shangun 67. I don't know if Alperin takes a step forward this year. I, from a stats perspective, I don't really know where it would be. Mm, I am worried about Shangun losing playing time to um, a much more capable backup this year in uh, Landale. Um, so I guess the thing. Um, Shengun is such a polarizing player, so you want to be careful. And we just lost someone else in the draft. So, uh, yeah, this is the time. We're going to probably start to shut things down. Tyus Jones goes 68. Jeremy Grant at 69. I think Jeremy Grant's going to have a pretty big year, actually. Tyler Hero at 70. I think that was autoed. Or was Jared Allen? Jared Allen was autoed at 71. Wow, that's late. I don't know if this type of stuff holds every time, but guys like Vooch going super late and Jared Allen going super late just more reasons that you don't have to worry about centers early. There goes Gobert at 72. Hmm. So on the Shengun front, uh, looking back at last year, Alperin was, he was like around 80, 83 per game. Played 75 ball games, so that was good. The way that things get better for him is the free throw number comes up. The 29 minutes per game felt like kind of a... Best case scenario, because his backups were completely useless last year. Chris Paul at 73, Derek White 74, Andrew Wiggins at 75. I like Chris Paul and, and Derek White in the early 70s. Wiggins at 75 makes me a hair nervous. Michael Porter Jr. at 76. There's room for him to improve over last year, so I can kind of understand that one. I am also a little bit afraid of all the lingering stuff that's going on with him. I don't think I'm going to end up with that many Michael Porters. Brolo, finally off the board at 77. Middleton goes early at 78. Uh, Anthony Simons at 79. That's a pretty reasonable one. I, I think I like him this year. Buddy Heald at 80. I don't think he's going to be as good this season. Clint Capella goes 81. That one I think was autoed. Yeah, Capella was an auto. Sabs here, who left the draft, is going to get stuck with Jalen Green. So now we've got three autos happening, which means that the rest of the board is not going to be all that interesting to us. Uh, I will note that this juncture, and I'll turn my own auto pick on just so you, that'll keep the draft moving along for everybody else. At 83-86, the board is so jumbled it doesn't really matter. I, I'm not drafting Marcus Smart there. Uh, I probably go Jakob Pertl as my favorite play on the board at that point. There goes Pirtle right after where I would have taken him. Clay Thompson goes 85. Markel Fultz I like a lot as someone I think has sort of 90-ish floor. Tobias Harris is going to have a better year this time. I, don't, I know Kelly Oubre is around, but I, I think Tobias should get to see plenty of action. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, he'll go later. That's the thing about Mitch Rob. You don't have to take him here, but he'd be a perfectly fine center to grab here. I think John Collins has a decent year. McCollum is sort of a safe play at this juncture. Um, 
you know, if you want to look a little farther down the board, guys who might not get back to you, Daniel Gafford is in that mix. Um, DeAnthony Melton, if you're worried if he doesn't get back at pick 107. Okongwu, you might have to take some shots here if you're near a turn because you just don't have another turn for a while. Uh, we'll leave the draft board up. You guys can see what's going on in the background. Although, again, I don't think it's... Um, I don't think it's going to matter because uh, we got enough people auto-picking, myself included now, that whatever's left on the board is not super relevant. So I'm going to make my face a little bit bigger here. If you guys want to know the results, I, I mean, just scroll back a, a second or two. Um, thoughts here as we sort of push through the rest of this thing. Front was not too surprising. Um, some of the big news here from this draft is that guys like Anthony Edwards and Demonis Sabonis, they're getting pushed earlier because of fears over missed games for some of the other extremely high per-game upside guys in that range. Um, and actually, let me make that a tiny bit bigger for those watching live so you can see it. I had to shrink the screen so the words are harder to see, but hopefully you guys can make that out a little bit. So that allowed Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant to fall to, you know, three, four picks into the second round. Um... Trey Young being bumped up the board and general hatred of Kyrie Irving. He fell all the way to the end of the second round, as did James Harden. Early third had a bunch of really good options in Kawhi, Butler, Towns, Miles Turner, middle of the round. Late third, early fourth was a little bit of a dead zone. So that's a spot where you either go down and get your guy that you might, that you're hoping you could get later. Like for me, you know, Vooch is a very safe one if you took some shots early on. Um, I don't know that I'd reach all the way down and get DeMar at pick, like, 41. That feels too early. But you might not have a choice if you don't want, say, Porzingis or Adebayo at that juncture. That's a tough spot. And, with the again, with the Yahoo board rearranged, that's, I think, an area where people are going to get a little bit stuck. So late third, early fourth. Late fifth, early, early sixth. Again, you know, the board starts to jumble a little bit, so you have plenty of options there. If you wanted to go Cam Johnson, Walker Kessler was still on the board in this particular draft. Jalen Williams was around. Uh, Jared Allen was very much still around. Plenty of opportunities there. And then it becomes a total free-for-all. So, you know, once you get into the, the seventh, eighth, whatever, you just take whatever guys you like. Because at that point, you know, late seventh, you're in the 80s, you're shooting upside. Just because a guy is falling a little bit there doesn't mean you have to take him. I just happened to like Jakob Pertl and felt like he was sort of still available. Not the guy I took. Again, don't look at my team. I took guys that I didn't want to get them out of the way to see where guys I did want were actually going. But, you know, you got False that has a little bit of built-in upside. Pertl, uh, Gafford has upside. Clay Thompson has upside. Uh, Tyus Jones, if you wanted to go that route, he went a little earlier in this particular draft, but he's typically going later than that. So there are a lot of options at the the later parts of this thing. By the way, uh, Okongwu finally goes at 108, but there's so many people auto-drafting now that I don't think that really matters. So let me shrink that sucker down, and uh, we'll get into the questions from the chat room a little bit here. Uh, Yellow Mamba says, How much risk is too much risk? For example, drafting Embiid in the first, Kyrie in the second, and Kawhi in the third. Yeah, I would call that too much risk. And the thing is, you mitigate the risk or you balance the risk against the upside. So if you go Embiid, Kyrie, first, second, you pretty much have to guarantee your third and fourth round picks are guys that play because you could get stuck in a, a, a lull 
where neither Embiid or Kyrie is going, and then your team falls into a hole. But if they're both playing, I mean, Embiid could very well be the number one per game guy this year, and Kyrie could very well be a top eight per game guy this year. It'd be pretty amazing to have two guys inside the top 10 on a per game basis, especially if one of them is the top per game. Dude, Kawhi's right there, and you're thinking, damn, I could go three guys inside the top eight per game. When they're all healthy, you won't be touchable, but they just never be healthy. So you kind of pick in between Kyrie and Kawhi at that juncture. Roto, you could probably do it, get away with it. Make sure you could sort of fill in the gaps around those dudes. Head-to-head, you certainly can't, so you'd have to, to shore that up a little bit. Thought of vetoes in leagues. Uh, commissioner only. You need a good commissioner you trust, and league veto is idiotic. Absolutely ter- absolutely terrible. And here's why. Because people can veto a trade for any reason they want. It doesn't even have to be because they think it's unfair. They could just not like one of the teams doing it. That's not an okay rate reason to veto a trade. You veto a trade if you think there's collusion. The only time to veto a trade, two times, actually. Collusion, and if there's like a brand new fantasy player who does something insanely dumb on the first three days of the season, and people are like, okay, okay, come on, no fleecing the new guy, let's teach him how to play, and then we'll be okay. Those are the only two times. And the second one is dicey, because if somebody buys into a league and thinks they know what they're doing, you kind of have to let them just make an ass of themselves. But league vetoes are a hard no. Think of it this way. Like, there are trades, we put them out on Twitter, who wins this this trade? You get like 60-40 split. Or you might even put an option for nobody wins this trade, and that gets like 30%. And it's like 30-30-30. But the top two think one team is winning, so they would veto it, even if they disagree on which team is winning the trade. If everybody disagrees on which team is winning, that's a fair trade. Commissioner only. Will you do a points mock? Um, You know what? I don't know, actually. I'm not a big points league guy. So uh, what I might do is have one of our points league Guys from Sports Ethos hop on with me, and we can do a points one together. Um, Yahoo doesn't make that super easy, so we probably have to configure it through something else. So I'll think about it. Last question, but before I do, please, on your way out, like and subscribe to make sure we can keep growing this monster. What do you think of JJJ and Miles Turner in a punt field goal percent build? Um, So Miles was actually okay. They both were okay at field goal percent last year. JJJ was at 50.5%, which is a very small positive. Miles was at 55% last year. Um, So I don't think you need to punt field goal with those guys. Um, With JJJ, uh, you're you're probably more thinking rebound punt than field goal punt. Because you could pair JJJ up with a guard who's good at shooting... And you end up in a similar spot to somebody who got, you know, a chucker and a traditional big in field goal percent. But that dude probably has a big rebounding edge over you. So I think if I went the JJJ route, I'm, I'm looking at maybe being kind of weak in rebounds. Miles Turner's a little better, about one rebound a game better than JJJ. So you don't necessarily have to do the punt rebound thing. And with Miles at, you know, two to two and a half blocks per game, you probably do pick up another more traditional center on top of it. In a way that with Jaron Jackson last year with Trip, you didn't have to because his three blocks per game, you could kind of supplement that with a guard that gets decent blocks or you know wing that gets decent blocks, and that would have been enough. Where with Miles, you probably needed one more 
not mega shot blocker, but like, you know, one and a halfer kind of guy. And um, that would make up for the rebounds a little bit as well. So I think JJJ, the punt rebound almost makes more sense than a punt field goal percent. Um, certainly at your center shooting 50 and a half percent is not great, but he's also not dragging you down. So you can cover that if you really, really had to in a way that with rebounds, yeah, I, you know, you've got your blocks in pretty good shape. So I don't know that you're hunting that the same way, if that makes sense. All right, we'll close out the mock window. I think we got what we wanted to out of that thing. Oh, question sneaks in at the end. Which do you prioritize as the last three picks of a 12-team 9-cat draft based on Yahoo ADP? Um, I haven't talked about this almost at all yet, and the reason why is that Yahoo's going to rearrange their board again, and I don't want any of my thoughts to play a role in it. Now, am I being perhaps um, having delusions of grandeur? Yeah. That's a, that's a distinct possibility, a whole a, a delusional thing going on here. But I do know that boards move based on things that people say and do. And so I don't really like to talk about the whole, like, the sleeper stuff until we get into October, if at all possible, because that's when drafts are really happening in large number. Right now, drafts are still kind of a, a very low percentage um, of overall stuff. It's still mostly mocks and just a handful of real drafts going on right now. Uh, so I'd like to save that until a little bit later. I promise we'll get that out there. We'll also have the old man squad, which will contain all of our late, uh, attack spots. Um, but we're not going to get into that just yet. So just hold on a little bit longer on that. Wrapping it up, everybody enjoyed the, uh, bonus show here. Thanks again for listening back later today. We'll talk guys, uh, after the top 50, start to get into some of those dudes and uh, their ups, their downs, and we'll and we'll kind of take it piece by piece the way we were doing even before that. At Dan Vespers on Twitter, I will see you over there. Goodbye for now. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.